0: Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. Growing up in a late model family with a Hall of Fame father, Devin Moran was probably destined to be a successful racer. At 26, he's won with both the World of Outlaws Late Model Series and Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. He was the World of Outlaws Rookie of the Year in 2017 and took down the 30000 to win Prairie Dirt Classic at Fairbury in 2018. As of this recording, Moran currently sits third in the Lucas standings after nine races, and he picked up an outlaw win in the Dirt Car Nationals Big Gator Trophy after a very successful week at Volusia. He joins the show this time to teach us all about racing a dirt super late model from the basics of how to start the car, changing gears and what's on the dash, to more advanced aspects like choosing racing lines, dealing with changing track conditions and how to race against certain competitors. I learned quite a bit from Devin in this chat and I hope it will help advance your knowledge of late model racing as well. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Devin Moran. Dan, I have kind of on, have you on the show because I want to talk to you about some, you know, a couple of specific things, but I want to start with kind of most recent events in, in Florida. And you guys had a really nice Florida swing. And, and I'm, you know, I'm curious about your, you know, your kind of off-season preparation and, and getting to Florida and things like that because you guys were one of the few teams that were really consistent through that opening stretch.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a, a great speed week for us, you know, for the Tide Tour racing Longhorn. um Best speed weeks I've ever had in my career, to be honest. And, uh, like you said, it was kind of just really consistent. Um, I wish we could have got a couple more wins, but at least we got one while we were down there and a bunch of top five. So uh, to be honest, like it was kind of a weird off season. So I did have my surgery in October and, and I was in a cast for 11 weeks. Um, I got it off two weeks before we left. So it was it was pretty hard for me to do anything. So I, I got to give major credit to Wiley and, and a couple other guys that came up and just helped out at the shop during the winter. Um, there's a ton of work to do and not a long off season anymore. So um, we built two brand new Longhorns over the winter and uh, we got our Chevy Clements engines in them and, and, and we were just really good. Um, I felt like we weren't quite as prepared as we needed to be, to be honest. I, I don't feel like we worked on speed as much as we should have in the winter, but uh, all in all, it played out uh, really good for force um, to start out the speed weeks. You know, um, we, we were consistent. I think they said we had nine out of 14 top fives or whatever with our win at Volusion. Just um, actually at every track we went to, we had a top five. So it was pretty cool that we were good at, yeah, all the different kind of tracks that we went to so uh it was definitely a fun way to start the year and i just hope we can kind of carry that momentum in throughout the, the rest of the 2021 season we saw that
0: kind of opening week at east bay was such a wild start and you know a lot of guys had issues and, and things like that But what's
1: so difficult about east bay to be honest it's just a weird racetrack like that the the configuration and stuff's not that weird but but just the way the dirt is you go to places and and you think it's slick and and you can't really steer that well. And you're like, Oh, this is kind of like East Bay. But, but then you show up at East Bay and like you go out there for the feature the first night and it's slick. And I'm telling you, you literally cannot not see anything or cannot steer at all. Like you go in the turn one and, and you have no wheel input and you're driving strictly off of the rear tires and like, like you kind of think it's bad and then you get there and it's just way worse than anywhere you can go. So. Uh, it makes it tough for competitors, especially people that haven't traveled around a lot because you have to adapt, and it's a completely completely different style of racing there than it is everywhere else in the country. And when you've never been down there, and even when you go down there every year, on the first night, everyone has to get readjusted to it. And for guys like myself and Tyler Urban, Davenport, and some of these guys who travel all over the country and have to adapt quicker than most people, um, I feel like we, we have a little bit of an advantage for that place. But for someone coming out of Ohio or Pennsylvania or North Carolina, anywhere that just races regional or local, they go down there and they're not used to it. It's just a completely different ball game. It, it It is hard, and it, it definitely has a bunch of struggles for people. We, even myself when I go down there, I mean, a couple of nights, we just weren't any good and ran 12th and 15th or whatever. It's just kind of the way that place is. But uh, it just always throws you for a curveball, and you have to be ready to adapt to, to anything that's coming at that place for sure.
0: When you like, you know, we hear this a lot about Volusia, how like there's not really racetracks around the country that are like Volusia and and you know, is there things you can take away from those early season races between East Bay and Volusia and, and all tech, some of the places you guys go that you can then use the rest of the season, or is it kind of like its own little, you know, own little thing that you can't really learn anything from?
1: I mean, there's definitely pieces of the puzzle that you can take away from it, but all in all, like I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of Florida, the time of year, the race tracks, what it is, but like once you get away from speed weeks, you really have to like just get past it and focus on, on the future. Um, you can tell if you have a pretty good race car down there or not on the different track conditions, but like, it's just different. I, I, I don't know what it is, but you can, like I said, you can take bits and pieces to answer your question, but you definitely can't like look at your notebook in Florida. Cause it's just different than other places in the, in the country. So you, you like to take the confidence and stuff when you leave out there, if you run really good and go with that, but Other than that, there's not a ton that you can really take from Florida. You just kind of have to go back into last year's notes a little bit and take a little bit of Florida notes that you learned and just kind of combine everything and and try to make the best race car you can.
0: So the, the main reason I want to have you on the show, uh, I, I want to learn and I want to know what it's like to actually drive a super late model. And, and for you, you know, you and, and, you know, you talked about Wiley and, and your dad, like you guys are such a big kind of late model family. And it's, I'm, I'm sure it's like basically all you've known, but I want to ask like a lot of really stupid questions about late models. And, and I want to start with like, when you strap in, how do you fire a super late model?
1: So honestly, it's, it's kind of different than what like your standard car is um or like a standard pickup truck like a, a standard shift um in our car so obviously we have like our main switch behind the driver's seat the, the on and off power switch you got obviously to make sure that's on and on our switch panel in front of us um we have whether you can go on crank trigger distributor for the ignition we have our actual ignition which powers up the msd and, and all of our electrical stuff and then our three-wheel brake switch and then we have our, our start switch so you just the only thing you have to turn on to get it to start is you got to turn the main switch on in the back. And then you've got to turn the ignition on. And once you do that, you just bump the start switch until it fires. Once it fires, you're good to go. Um, it's kind of a weird transmission. Um, so actually what you do before you gas it or clutch it or anything, you just put it in the low. You have three gears. You have low, high, and reverse. But you put it in the low. And once you do, you actually press the clutch and the gas at the same time, which is like the opposite of any kind of street street vehicle. Um, and and you press them at the same time, to speed a little bit. You just shift it back into high. And then, um, once you're in high, you just, you rock and roll with it. So you, you go into high when you're just riding around in parade laps. And once you're in high, um, you start in high, you race in high. The only time you ever kick it back out of high is if there's a red flag or you're going into the pit. So it's, it's pretty easy once you get used to it, but pushing the, the gas and the clutch at the same time will definitely confuse some people. So it'd be hard for someone to steal a, race, a late model without knowing what's going on with the transmission. They'd have it all jacked up.
0: Do you know what the reasoning is behind having the high gear and the low gear?
1: Um, honestly not really that's just kind of what we've always been um like i know like you go to like like um like the off-road trucks and stuff like that they've got paddle shifters and different things like that but our racing our late model racing at least i for as long as i know it's just you're kind of in high and you go um we have our quick change rear ends and that's that's what we do um winners does a great job with all that and and we've had awesome luck with all of our winners rear ends and and they've done a great job of changing gear ratios right there. And, and we haven't had to do any other form. Um, our Clements motors have enough power to take off. Even when we got a, a real high gear in and we can rock and roll to a place like Volusia, you can go from say 40 to a hundred mile an hour. Like it's nothing. So um, I think just the way our cars design, our rear ends, are design, the way our engines are designed, um, we just don't really have to do that. And once we get up to speed, it's kind of then, that deal where you just, you just go with it. So uh, um, I don't, I don't, I can't pinpoint why it's like that. It's just kind of always been like that, and it's kind of worked out pretty good for us.
0: When you're sitting in the car and, and you know you've got a dash in front of you, what's on your dash? Like what gauges you have? What information are you getting?
1: Um, so we really don't have a lot. Um, the only in cockpit controls we have, um, we have our three wheel brake switch, and then we have our brake bias, and those are the only two things that we can change in the cockpit. Those are the only two things we can change once we get out onto the track. But in our in our dash, we've got our oil pressure oil temperature Uh, we actually have water pressure water temperature and then fuel pressure and we have dummy lights and all that for all those and then we have our tack but you really don't read the tack while you're racing um when you're warming up and doing some stuff you you can check down at it but you really don't look at that until after the races Um, and to be honest when you're racing unless it's a bigger track and you're kind of by yourself it's pretty hard to read gauges people might talk about how they read them but when when you're rocking and rolling at east bay or somewhere and you got you're three wide and you're racing people don't look at their gauges very often often. And that's why we have the dummy lights. Um, if you got everything hooked up right and you got your sensors, right, a light will come on and say you're, if you're out of water pressure halfway through the race and you look and it's not reading water temperature and, and your water pressure lights on, you know you got a serious problem. And that's when you usually pull in it's on that side of things. Um, a lot of times I do look at my gauges like down the end of the straightaway when you got a little bit of time, if you have time, but, but mainly under caution. Um, you can look at your temperatures and, and different things like that and read them. Um, and other times when you're testing or like say hot laps, I, when I go out for hot laps, I'll check my oil pressure and my fuel pressure. As long as we ain't having any problems and it's looking all right, that, that's about when you're looking at your gauges. But other than that, it's pretty, pretty mild on the gauge side of things.
0: You mentioned the two, the brake bias and, and the other brake thing. What, what is happening when you use those? How often do you use them? Is that something you can do like while you're driving? Do you have to wait for caution? Like, give me an idea about those.
1: So the three-wheel brake switch, it's just the right front shut off. Um, so obviously we have four brakes on the car for all four corners. Um, we'll turn the three-wheel brake switch on, which at that point, the right front has no brake. Um, you usually do that on a, on a pretty tacky heavy track. Um, the cars nowadays usually run three-wheel brake switch almost all the time. Um, I know like Scott and some of them guys don't. They, they still have cars that they can steer good enough and the way they drive, they still use four-wheel brake quite a bit, but um, it just helps you turn. Um, and yeah, we, I, I mean, sometimes not very often, but sometimes like I've been to places where I I'll flip it on each side of the straightaway, like you're going down the back stretch into three and you its real tacky and rough. You need it on and going into one and two, um, it's super slick and you don't need it on. And I've messed with it while I've raced some, um, not very often when you do that, but every once in a while, when there's a scenario, if your car is really good and you're comfortable with being able to do it, then, then that happens. Um, on the brake by side of things, yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I definitely mess with that while I'm racing quite a bit. Um, and the dirt, you want to start mostly rear brake, and then as the night goes on, if the track gets slicker, you're slowly going to front brake. It just tightens the car up, and um, a lot of that, like I always check in cautions to see where I'm at, but like a lot of it's just feel. Um, if you're just getting freer and freer, you just slowly keep rolling, rolling front brake into it, and usually if they have anywhere from eighteen to twenty five turns and uh you'll start like I said all the way rear and sometimes you'll get most of the way to the front by the end of the feature just just depending on how good your car is and how much the track's transitioning. So a lot of that just kind of depends on track and your car and, and how comfortable you are really give me an idea about the
0: kind of inputs you're using like you know obviously you've got steering wheel you've got brake pedal you've got gas and and i'm sure it's you know very track specific about how much you use it but you know kind of give me a general idea about how much you're using the gas how much you're using the brake and how much you're using the steering wheel and like is there like an optimal level of of how much of each you use
1: all right i'm yep i'm ready to rock now
0: Give me an idea about the the inputs you have. Like obviously you have steering wheel, you've got brake, you've got gas. And, and I would imagine that it's, you know, very track specific and things like that about how much of each you use. But, you know, if you can maybe give me a general idea about how much of each you're using and how much of each you're trying to use is like, is there like an optimal level of steering wheel versus brake versus gas that you're trying to use as you go around?
1: Yeah, a lot of it, kind of like you said, it just depends on what track we're at, um, how fast it is, how much traction, how slick it is. Um, you, you take like Eldora, for example, it's very round, um, and it'll start out really fast. Um, you're pretty much wide open there the whole time. Um, if you're a little too tight, you might, you might drag the brake a little bit just on corner entry to help you. Um, and to be honest, like there's not a ton of wheel input, um, when it's fast, like start of the night, hot laps qualifying, you just like left hand down a little bit wide open. As long as your car steers and you're good, you just go right around there. But, but then you go to feature time. And you, you might not be full throttle at all in the feature. You might be, say, three quarter by the end of the straightaway. Um, never try to dump out of the gas, but you roll back out of the gas a little bit. Um, you drag the brake a little longer. Um, definitely more wheel put in, wheel input, left hand down, and then obviously there's not as much grip, so you, you're countersteering some. Um, you're quarter throttle, half throttle, quarter throttle, just trying, trying to feed it, trying to feel, feel it through the seat. Um still dragging the brake a little bit. Um, just depending on how, how good your car's hooking up. Um, a lot of it just kind of depends on that. And then that's Eldora. but then you go to a place like East Bay where you you literally full wheel input left back to field, full input right, counter steering, um, completely dumping out of the ass to completely back wide open to dumping out of the gas. Like like East Bay is one extreme to another compared to Eldora, And and a lot of it, like I said, just depends on where you're going. And what the track conditions like, um, kind of back to like how we talked about how you have to adapt so much to different racetracks. And, and that's why I love dirt racing. You know, um, you have to go from one extreme to the other in um, asphalt racing. I don't think the track ever changes five seconds. And we see that quite often, you know, so uh, it just makes for exciting, good racing. And I feel like it makes a driver uh, definitely have to step up his game.
0: When you're like on a tight bull ring type place and you're mm-hmm. rolling the bottom, are there instances where like, you're just completely out of the gas? Like, I mean, no feet on anything. Like you're just letting it roll the center.
1: Oh yeah. And that actually happens at like big tracks too, quite a bit. Um, you, you usually try to keep one or the other. You you want to keep your uh, torque arm loaded up. Um, when you, when you stay on the gas a little bit, it definitely keeps the torque arm loaded up, keeps you a little more drive. Um, but like for some instances, like you go to a place and, like like Fairbury, for example you you get down into the bottom of three um when it gets to that certain track condition you drive straight in there uh you don't dump out the gas but you slowly let out and then you finally get all the way out and you don't even have to touch the brakes if your car's good enough to rotate and then you're right back on it um usually like i'm i'm breaking gas off once i get to where i want and slowly back out on both and then back in the gas um once again a lot of it's just so much on track condition and where you're going Um, but there's definitely instances where you're coasting into a place and, um, just depends where you're going and what's happening, you know,
0: when you're on track, you know, say during a, you know, a long feature, you know, a 50 lap or hundred lap, or, you know, in terms of like watching the track conditions, are you actually like watching it with your eyes or is it a matter of like, you're trying to feel what the car is doing and then making adjustments from there? Like as the track changes,
1: definitely a mixture of both, um, obviously you can see a lot better than you can feel on most in- – well, I wouldn't say a lot better because a lot a lot of the times you can feel pretty good of what's going on. Um, but you you can see the dirt. As long as you're looking at the dirt, you kind of know what's happening what's going on. Your, your eyes don't deceive you very often on the dirt side of things. And then on the field, like you see that brown dirt and you go in there and it sticks and you see it the next time and it just doesn't stick quite as well that's when you know, you have to take the feel into consideration as well. Like if you can go in there and you, you stick, you try to go in harder the next lap and you stick even better. You can feel that. And that's not as much C. Um, so I would honestly say it's 50 50 on what you see and what you feel. Um, if your car feels too tight and you can't run up against that wall, you see the Brown there, but you can't do it. It's just, it's just how it is. You can, you can go try to do it and, and you rack and tear up and it doesn't matter anyways. Um, so there is a lot of feel that you still have to take into consideration. So um, it's definitely a 50, 50 on see of field. I feel like uh, when you're out there kind of racing and seeing what's happening. Another thing, like you, you gotta be able to see the cars out in front of you. If you see three guys running the top and one guy running the bottom, the guy on the bottom passes them. You see that you got to get to the bottom and get by him. But, uh, but like, like at Volusia one night, I, I passed, um, Madden around the bottom and then the next lap, there's a lap car on the bottom. So I had to run the top and I instantly felt that the top was faster and you just, that feel you kind of just got to go with instinct and and do what it's telling you, you know, when you have
0: a feeling like that, where you could feel that the top was, was faster. What about it was like, why, you know, why did you know it was faster? you know, did you, could you just feel more grip? Were you able to run more RPM? Like, what is that? Like, what is the car telling you there?
1: So you can't really tell much on RPM. You can listen to it, but you, like I said, you can't really read it while you're racing, but uh, a lot of it is a grip feel. Um, and a lot of it, you can judge off of other cars once more, um, you can judge off of lap cards, which is back to the scene thing. But, but a lot of it, you just feel the grip. And and when you, when you feel that grip and you can just make so much speed, It just uh, you have to be patient sometimes because the feel doesn't always give you the right, the right answer. Um, you definitely, once again, it's just back to the 50-50 deal. You have to be able to see what's going on and you have to be able to feel it at the same time. So as long as you can do both and kind of keep it even and, and concentrate on that, uh, it usually puts you in pretty good shape.
0: Do you have a preference one way or the other about, you know, running the top or running the bottom? Like if you, if you have a choice, would you rather be on the top? Or would you rather be on the bottom? I feel like we have certain guys that we, you know, we see all the time up top or certain guys we see all the time up bottom. Where do you sit on that?
1: I'd rather be wherever is going to make me win the race. <laughs> I honestly don't care. Like, like I like running the bottom. I think it's fun. It's it kind of makes you more patient, um, more methodical, but at the same time I like going up and ripping the lip and like putting on a show for fans. And then in different instances, when my car's really good, and I can run right through the middle and everyone's going either way. And I go right by them all. That's just as fun too. So to be honest, um, wherever I got to go to win, that's what I'm going to do. And I really don't care where it's at.
0: What can you learn during hot laps? Like, is there anything you could learn? Is it just to, you know, make sure the car feels like it's supposed to feel like, you know, are you going back and making setup changes after a couple hot laps?
1: Yeah. Sometimes you have to be careful about hot laps. Um, I always you used to say that I liked hot laps, but I come getting more like I wish we always did hot lap qualifying. Um, it kind of like you just get rolling with it and you go. Um, some people aren't a fan of it. I never used to be. I'm kind of getting more and more that way. Um, it just it is what it is. We have all week to prepare and we want to go race. So let, let's make it happen. But yeah, like I definitely I can go out hot lap and then I come back in and like, hey, I know we got to do this. I know we got to do that. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's real greasy and you can't tell anything. And then sometimes the track changes so much from hot laps to qualifying that it gets you, puts you in a bad spot. So you do have to be careful about hot laps, but um, it's still not a bad thing. I don't mind just hot lapping and then qualifying, but I don't know. Everyone has their own opinion and I don't know what the right answer is, but you just, it's, it's not a bad thing all in all.
0: When you're driving the car, you know, and and, you know, I would imagine the cars are set up to want to, you know, to on some level, to want to be sideways through the corner. And like, you know, when you're running down the straightaway, like, can you just hold the steering wheel straight or like, do you have to steer one way or the other to keep the car straight
1: down the straightaway? Uh, depends how good we are that night. Um, (laughs) you know, like sometimes you're counter steering the whole way around and you're just horrible. Um, to be honest, you really, like you say, you want to be kind of sideways, but really sideways usually isn't as fast because you're scrubbing speed and you're just not going forward. Um, the straighter you are, the faster you are. And, and that's usually why you see Scott Bloomquist, like not as much as of late, but like he's won a ton of races and it's because he's not wasting energy going sideways. He's, he's going straight forward and that's when he's passing the cars. So to be honest, like, like, yeah, we definitely are straight going down the straightaways. Um, sometimes we're counter steered and sometimes we're turning to the left if we're too tight. So a lot of it, once again, just depends on what's going on with the race car, type of racetrack. Obviously, long straightaways, you're you're kind of straight way more. You go to a place like Tyler County and you're counter-steered the whole time, just just the way the track is. So a lot of depends on the racetrack. A lot of depends on the race car. A lot of it depends on pri- uh, driver preference. Like you get someone like Tyler Urban and he's more sideways than someone like what Scott Blumquist would be. So um, just a lot of different variables, but um, there's not always a wrong way. It's just whoever's winning is winning.
0: When you come back to the pits after a heat race or after qualifying or whatever, when you guys are talking about setup and what to change, are you like a really technical hands-on person where you're like, I want to change this. I want to do that. Or are you just coming back saying, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm seeing. And then letting them make those decisions.
1: Well, usually I'm the one making the decisions. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty hands-on. I've got, I've got a couple guys that um, really go with me a lot. Keith Berner with AccuForce. Um, he does all my Fox shocks. And I have a really great relationship with him. Um, obviously Wiley, my brother, um, he, he's pretty hands-on. Um, he does all my tires and some of that stuff, but, but to be honest, I do, I talk over, but I do a lot of the changes myself. Um, sometimes you just get to the point where you're like, Hey, you handle it. I'll tell you what I feel and we'll move on. But, but 99% of the times I'm usually hands-on and know what's going on. And, and to be honest, I feel like that's just going to make me better in the future.
0: In in talking about running the top, you know, you you see all the time, you know, guys will run the top and they, you know, they knock that rear quarter out, you know, they mess the deck up, the spoiler. When that happens, like, can you actually feel that in the car when when you've got that, you know, that right rear quarter laid up against the fence?
1: Oh, 110%. Um, Like, obviously, if you ask Bobby, he might not as much because he's always winning races (laughs) with that off. But but like that one night at Volusia, actually at East Bay was even worse. I knocked half my spoiler off and I instantly... I knew I was no good. I just went ahead and pulled off. It was no reason to tear anything else up. But um, it's just like like you get a, you get a big uh, piece of cardboard and put out in the wind and hold it. And then you take half of it away and hold it. It's not going to blow you away like that first big piece is. And that's just like our racing is. Um, you take half that spoiler off and it's just not going to hold the race car like it would if that whole spoiler was there. So you definitely do feel it. Even with the right side, uh, we get side force um going into the corners even driving down straightaways we get side force so um you knock your whole quarter panel in and stuff like that it's definitely going to affect your car um so we do have to try to keep that from happening as much as possible um obviously the smaller the track the less it's going to affect but you're still definitely trying to take care of your body and keep your race car in good shape and uh, usually in them long races it definitely pays off
0: have you had an instance where you like hit the wall or did damage and your car was actually better
1: not that I know of. Usually every time I do it, I'm cussing myself and I know I've screwed up. So to be honest, like, like I really can't think of one time that's actually helped me. Um, someone else might have a story where it has because I'm sure it has crazy things happen. But but for me, no, I've, I've never had like that one instance where I, I, I did something and it made my race car faster that night.
0: Uh, tell me about slide jobs. I, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the they're like kind of the name of the game in, in a lot of dirt racing. And like, sometimes they seem to go really well. And sometimes they seem to not go so well. Like, you know, when you're the one on the end of, of, you know, someone's throwing that slider at you, like, are you preparing in advance? Like, do you know that move is coming? And then, you know, are you trying to set yourself back up for the crossover? Like what's your thought process there?
1: Um, it's a thought process that has to happen as quick as you can even imagine. Like, uh, like, I, I like racing. I like sliders. Like, that's my favorite kind of racing, to be honest, to be honest like when you're crossing over and doing stuff like that. Um, in my opinion, as long as you're clear and you give the guy a chance to cross over, then it's game on. If you go in there and you take his left front out, then it, it kind of gets a little controversial. But uh, if a guy can't hit the brakes and cross over or if he's not brave enough to drive around the outside of you when you act like you're going to do it, um, then I guess you shouldn't be in a race car. Um, and I know some people have different opinions about that. Um, I know some of the older guys um, think it's disrespectful to slide in front of someone. But like I said, I mean, if you're going to be in a race car, you're not going out there to race just to, to hang out and not try to pass someone and beat them. So, um, like I said, there is kind of a, a definitely a respectful way to do it. If you're going to slide them, definitely get in front of them and uh, make sure it's kind of done the right way. Um, I, I don't want to ever take anyone's left front out. And don't get me wrong. In racing, stuff happens. I've made mistakes. Other people's made mistakes. You just have to move on from it. Um, you can't let it bother you your whole life, but, uh, yeah, you just, you have to be prepared. Um, sometimes you don't always see it coming and that's when you, you better be really prepared and be on your toes. And, and sometimes you do see it coming and, and you have literally less than a split second to pick whether you're going to drive around the outside of them or cross them over or run into the back of them, which obviously isn't going to help you any, cause you ain't going to pass them back if that's the case. So, uh, you just got to be on your toes and be ready. And, uh, whatever they do, you have to adapt and, um, try to get back by them.
0: When you're like in a battle with a guy, you know, you're side by side, you're swapping spots, whatever. How much are you like making moves and, and kind of making decisions based on like what you see? Like, can you see that other guy? Are you going off? Like, can you hear his engine? You know, are you like going off your stick signal guy? Like, you know, how much of that is, you know, like how much of that information are you kind of getting?
1: Um, a lot of that of what you said and a lot of who you're racing with. Um, you're racing against a guy like Scott Bloomquist. You know he's not going to slide you back, so you might protect that middle line once you get by him. Or you're racing with a guy like Bobby, who's definitely going to try to slide you back, so you're going to kind of run the slider line with him to, to keep him from doing it. Um, so it just depends who you're racing with. Um, once again, kind of track conditions. Um, if that slider line's available, you kind of got to make sure they can't take it. Um, if it's not available, then you can go back to, to what you think you're going to do. Um, so who you're racing with track conditions, um, the kind of racetrack you're on, um, you go to Eldora, you better be ready for a slider coming back and you better be ready to crossover because that that's how it happens there. Um, and you go to a couple other places where sliders don't really work, then you don't have to worry about it. And yeah, I definitely use Wiley as my signal guy. Um, some guys don't like that, but I mean, when you have a guy, why would you not take advantage of it? You know? So, uh, I. It's it's hard sometimes when you're racing with other people to get to get an eye on him. But most of the time we we try as hard as we can to, to keep an eye on each other and go from there.
0: How much information can you like get from him? Like, you know, your signal guy? Like is he telling you lines to run? Is he you know is he just telling you kind of gaps back to people? Like how much of that is going back and forth?
1: A lot of it under green is just gaps to people. Um, if if I'm pretty comfortable and, and he's giving me lines to run, I can definitely see. Um, under cautions, more lines to run and kind of kind of what's going on. Kind of talk a little bit more that way about the car, um, how we're feeling and stuff like that. But uh, under green, a lot of it's just gaps. The people is the main thing, and and if I see him getting sticks up, that means get up. And if I see him going down, then that means go down. But other than that, it's pretty much just gaps under green.
0: When you first start driving a late model, you know, there's obviously like a lot of body around you. You got a big nose, you got a big tail. How long does it kind of take you to get used to like, you know, how far you need to be from somebody when you're throwing a slider or making a pass versus like, you know, when you're in behind somebody and not running them over with the nose, like, does it take a long time to kind of understand like the size of a late model?
1: Yeah. I mean, at first it definitely did take me a little while. I'm not really even racing with the other guys, but just by myself, like, like you're in a passenger car. And you look over and the side of the body's right there. But like when you're in a late model, it's it's way over there. And to be honest, like at first I wasn't very good at judging like up to the wall. And I literally scraped the front stretch wall like the first two or three races I was in just because like I just wasn't prepared and wasn't used to it. Um, but after that, I kind of got used to it. And and really, um, it's normal for me now. Obviously, I've raced, this is my 12th season, I think, racing. So it's kind of just a natural for me at this point. But it, it definitely does take a little bit of uh, getting used to. And and like I said, we're all human. We still make mistakes. So sometimes sometimes we have that deal where, oh, man, you thought you were clean. You weren't. Um, Sometimes you do it on purpose for simple reasons, but uh, sometimes you just you just don't know. And 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 mistakes do happen. Myself makes it and everyone else makes mistakes. So you just you got to live with it and go on
0: give me an idea of your preparation. You know, are you a workout guy? Are you a, you know, a sports psychologist guy? Are you, you know, are you watching old races on things like dirt vision and some of the streaming services? Like what do you do to prepare for, you know, a race and a season?
1: So I definitely do a lot of videos. Um, I like to watch videos, um, of wherever I'm going next. Um, I try to do the workout thing. Um, I usually run, but, uh, I really haven't done much of that as of this season for the simple fact that when I had my cast on, I really wasn't allowed to do any of it. And then we were so far behind once I got it off. I was just working 24 seven, but, uh, I definitely got to get back in that workout rhythm. Um, but other than that, not really a ton, just, just, we're so busy in the shop. It's just wiring myself in there. So a lot of our preparation is just in the shop, working, getting the cars ready, trying to make our race cars faster. Um, once again, I, I do watch, try to watch a lot of videos and I, I do try to get a run in every day, but, uh, but most of our preparation, to be honest, is just working in the shop trying to get our stuff faster.
0: You've talked a lot about, you know, guys like Bobby Pierce, Bloomquist. Uh, do you keep, like, kind of, like, mental notes on just guys' tendencies? Like, when you get in a situation with them, like, are you expecting certain moves from certain guys? Or do you have to race certain guys different than others?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, you get a guy like Jimmy Owens compared to a guy like Tyler Herb they're going to race you different. And I can promise you it's just how it is. Um, you're going to race Tyler pretty hard for a couple of laps. Um, sometimes you let him use this stuff up and then you get by him and go on. And, and a guy like Jimmy's pretty smart about what's going on with his race car. He, he's really race savvy. He kind of knows what he can and can't do. Um, so you definitely look at tendencies from different guys. You kind of figure out different ways to pass different people. Um, like when you get get racing with tyler you want to hurry up and get by him that way you don't have to deal with it anymore because if not he's going to slide you you're going to waste half the race racing with one guy um with a guy like jimmy um it's not as big of a deal um don't get me wrong jimmy's still going to race you just as hard but it's just a little bit different style racing with jimmy um same with scott same with bobby there's just everyone has their own tendencies so i try to focus and see who i'm racing with and what's going on and if uh I can kind of execute what I want to and make it happen. It just makes our day a lot easier.
0: Give me an idea about like the tire situation. Like, you know, the, the tire rules seem to kind of be a little bit different everywhere you go. And, and, you know, I know that was one of the things when I worked for the outlaws is, you know, making sure the website was always updated with all the different tire options. And I'm not quite sure about the Lucas package, but like, you know, do you guys have to deal with that a lot? And is that like, is that something that's difficult to do to try to decide on a nightly basis, which tires you're going to run?
1: I will say the Lucas Steel actually has a pretty cool tire system. Um, So usually we start the night on four softs, um, say 1300s or whatever they are. And for the feature, you're only allowed one other option for the right rear. In every other corner, you're not allowed to change other than the left rear possibly. Um, And it's still the same compound. So really throughout the night, you have four tires, you have one right rear option, you have one left rear of the same compound you still put back on. Um, so it's really not that bad. Every once in a while, we'll get in a little bit of a tire game with people, but for the most part, um, Lucas does a really good job on trying to save money for people, um, for tire bills and stuff like that. So I will give them guys props. They do awesome on that side of things.
0: Can you use tires depending on the corner, multiple races? Is it, you know, one night on a tire and that's it?
1: No. Um, for a lot of the Lucas races, you do have to bolt on new stuff. Um, just the way it is, but, but you go to a place like we went to, um, Wheatland, Missouri, last year, Lucas Oil Speedway, and the track was super heavy, and it didn't really hurt tires, so we could use them tires a couple nights. Um, and then you go to a place like uh, Atomic here in uh, March 19th when we we're racing there with Lucas. Um, it, I'm sure, it'll probably wear on our tires pretty hard. It, it's got pretty pretty good ranking. It usually gets pretty black slick, and it's going to wear on them. So, so that might night you might only use one tire, or you might only use those tires from one night. Um, and then you go to a couple regional races for a weekend, and you might use the same four tires. For both races and not have a problem get to use them again. So a lot's kind of who you're racing with and where you're racing and what's going on. So you, we just try to be smart and save tire a little bit of money on the tire side of things because it's just it's so expensive in our racing. And and I do have a ton of great sponsors, but it's just it's crazy what we spend on this side of things. And uh, try to help him out on that as much as we can on the tire side.
0: When you get into one of those like really long features, <clears throat> you know the seventy-five lappers, hundred lappers how much are you trying to kind of manage your tires, manage your brakes, manage the race car? Like, you know, are, are you going balls out from from the green flag and just letting it go? Or are you trying to manage your stuff through the, through the cold course? So you've got something left at the end.
1: Um, to be honest, it kind of depends where you're racing. Um, you go to a place like uh, Cherokee or Magnolia, Eldora, some of those places um, you definitely have to conserve a little bit. Um, it's going to wear and tear on your tires a little bit, Um Really, other than tires, it's not that big of a deal. Brakes and stuff like that, you don't have too many problems anywhere. But but definitely on the tire side of thing, you you, you don't want to use up your sipes and everything else because if you do for the first 40, it, I mean, just not going to be good. But then on the flip side of that, you go to a place like Portsmouth for the Dirt Track World Championship. Um, usually that race is locked down for the last 50 laps or so. So you got to go to the balls of the wall for the first 50 to try to get to the lead. Um, if you don't get to the lead, then it, it makes it really hard to get by anyone. So uh, um, Portsmouth's kind of one of the only places that are like that. Um, but most of the other places you really do have to conserve at least, at least for the first 40 or 50. Um, if your race car is good, you, you know, you can get up through there. Um, you still got to get track position, get cars when you can, um, but just try not to slide your tires, try not to use stuff up uh, too early. And that, that's kind of the way I approach it. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's kind of, kind of the approach I've done. And, and, I've won a couple hundred lappers, So it's working out so far, I guess.
0: When you have a night where the track takes rubber, how quickly in the car do you realize that? Like, do you start seeing things, feeling things in the car before that happens? Like, you know, are there times where it happens and it's too late and you're <laughs> just screwed? You know, how is that process?
1: Um, a lot of the rubbers usually feel. Um, you'll definitely start feeling it before you see it usually. Um, then, then it'll start streaking it up and you can see it. But by that time, everyone's usually in it. Um, it's just kind of, a crappy feeling, to be honest, no one likes racing. When the tracks rubbered up, it makes it one late. It makes it hard to pass. But uh, a lot of that's feel, um, if you can feel it before everyone else can, uh, you're definitely going to get a couple cars there right before, before they, they get into it. So, uh, that's always a good thing. But, but for the most part, for the most part, a lot of it's just feel. And, and once you feel it, you better not miss it.
0: When we get into those nights and guys start popping tires, <clears throat> what can you do inside the race car to try to keep your tires underneath you?
1: Um, a lot of it, I would say you just try to keep from slipping the tires. You try to keep from sliding sideways. Um, you don't always have to be full throttle down the straightaways. Like I know when the track rubber's up, a lot of them guys are still mashing it down the straightaway, but you really don't have to. Um, a lot of people, unless you're really, really good and can maneuver a little bit, um, it's going to be hard to pass. So, so if it's one of them tire saving deals, you kind of just cruise around there, quarter, half throttle, and, and just – stay close to the person in front of you so when they do make a mistake you can pass them but but don't just just don't slide your car don't burn yourself up and and kind of go that way well
0: i will let you go i certainly appreciate the time uh it was great to learn about uh racing a late model uh run me through your sponsors let's give uh, give some people some shout outs uh
1: so obviously ty torga performance parts uh without him uh, it would definitely be hard to do what we do him owning the team and got all this rolling. I, I just want to thank him so much. And then uh, we've got CNW Trucking, uh, Tommy Pope Construction, Big D's Pizza, um, Aki Force, Fox Shocks, Ibox Springs, Eminem Painting Construction, uh, Clements Race Engines. I feel like we have the best race engines in the country. Um, Lucas Oil Products, they have great oil and everything else, and, and we use all their stuff. So I want to thank them guys, Holland um, Haskell, um, FK Roddins, um, VP Race Fuels. CarSourceAuto.com, polymer services, um, Hoosier tire. They do an awesome job for us. Um, once again, longhorn chassis. Um, we've had a, a great start to the year and, and I'm super excited about that. Um, winners rear ends, fast shafts, uh, Simpson racewear, and, and just everyone else that, uh, helps out on the team. I, I want to thank all of them. I want to thank all the, the fans that support us. And, uh, if you ain't got any of the new merchandise, make sure you go head over to Devin Moran uh, we got some new stuff up there and uh, we're actually going to have some more new stuff, hopefully by, uh, the new uh, Lucas races at March and Atomic and Brownstown. So, uh, just want to once again thanks for all them fans. Uh, I want to thank you for having me on the show. Uh, There's definitely a cluster trying to get on, but we finally made it happen. We got I, it. I was glad. We, I was glad we did. And uh, once again, thanks. Thanks to all the guys supporting our partners of our team.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for uh, being on the show, man. Thanks, dude. really appreciate Devin taking some time to chat with us, especially during a little downtime for him and his family before the late model season starts to ramp back up. Certainly hope you learned something new about late model racing as well. Definitely wasn't aware of things like the three-wheel brake switch. Make sure to follow Devin and his team all year long as they compete in the biggest late model events across the country. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.